Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Friday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, NBCSN, Sky Sports. Hello to our friends in the UK and in Ireland. Hello to Big Cat joining me for his usual Friday visit. And Big Cat, the world has changed dramatically since the last time you were on. And we've reacted to it because the unrest throughout the United States of America has affected the sports world, affected the NFL in significant ways. We spent the entirety of yesterday's show focusing on those issues. Today, it will be a big part of the show, but we are going to pivot back toward football. But we cannot, we cannot ignore what's happening in our world, in our nation, in the National Football League, because there are many developments, uh, more than I expected when we went off the air yesterday. Yeah, and it's, sorry, are we running a video here? I might have screwed that up. No, I was, no, I was oh, saying okay. hello to you. All right, sorry. great. Yeah, yeah, hello. It, it has been, a, a, you know, a week where I think a lot of people are, are you know, being introspective, trying to listen a little bit more, and... Um, I think the fact that we don't have sports and people can't say six stick to sports, which is usually what comes up when hard issues get discussed in the media um, is, is almost a, a good thing here where people have, they have to take a pause and they have to kind of reassess how this past week has played out and how everything uh, is going forward and, and the issues that, that are at hand for minorities in this country. So it, it's been, it's been a, a week where a lot of uncomfortable conversations have been had, but I think that's a good thing. That's a positive thing because it's, it shouldn't be comfortable and it shouldn't be easy. And uh, you know, we, we've seen it in the media, we've seen it in private conversations. And I think what you just said about, you know, the sports world too when sports do come back, it will be part of the the sports conversation when when sports do come back as well. So it's all uh, evolving, and it's been a, a pretty crazy week to watch. And I think there's some good things that are coming out of all of this. And I'm glad you mentioned the phrase stick to sports. It almost seems quaint now to hear stick to sports. The first line of defense for those who do not want to be made uncomfortable 
the effort to deflect, the easy way to deflect, hey, stick to sports. In other words, I never even have to address your concerns, your arguments, anything. If I say stick to sports, we never even go through that door. Well, the world has been yanked through that door, and the sports world, and more specifically the NFL, running through the door to try to get people to pay attention to the issues that are affecting all of us in one way or another. You mentioned the video, and there was an extremely powerful video that emerged last night put together by players. We talked earlier this week about the things the NFL could do to take advantage of this moment with the assets and resources the NFL has, the messages that could be created, the commercials, the videos, the PSAs, all the things they could do. It took a group of players to put together the most powerful thing I have seen yet in response to this moment. Here it is. It's been 10 days since George Floyd was brutally murdered. How many times do we need to ask you to listen to your players? What will it take for one of us to be murdered by police brutality? What if I was George Floyd? If I was George Floyd. What if I was George Floyd? If I was George Floyd. If I was George Floyd. If I was George Floyd. I am George Floyd. I am Breonna Taylor. I am Ahmaud Arbery. I am Eric Garner. I am Laquan McDonald. I am Tamir Rice. I am Trayvon Martin. I am Walter Scott. I am Michael Brown Jr. I am Samuel Du Bois. I am Frank Smart. I'm Philip White. I am Jordan Baker. We will not be silenced. We assert our right to peacefully protest. It shouldn't take this long to admit. So... On behalf of the National Football League, this is what we, the players, would like to hear you state. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit wrong and silencing our players from peacefully protesting. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Just an incredible piece of work. The moment that it pivots from what if I were George Floyd to DeAndre Hopkins, the Cardinals receiver, saying, I am George Floyd, and then one after another after another, it, it, there's just something visceral about it. I've watched that thing between 50 and 100 times, and, and I encourage people to watch it again, 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 and again, because it hammers home the message of what people are demanding, of what the concern is, and the mistreatment that African Americans have faced at the hands of law enforcement, not just for the past few years, but forever, for the 244 years that this country has been in existence. So we encourage you to watch that over and over again. Share it with your friends. If it does not affect you, you are not human, Big Cat. Yeah, and it has a message that is as concise and direct as you saw just there. Like, it it doesn't leave it up to chance here it's not ambiguous what they're asking the nfl to do and uh, you know that that specific point because we'll get to to drew Brees in a second here what's happened a lot in the past is there's been a little bit of a misdirection like well it's about this or it's about this not by obviously the minority community but by the majority community and saying oh it's about the flag and it's about something else this was as direct as it could be, and it's 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 right there in front of you. This is what these guys are saying to you, the NFL, and what will your answer be? And Mike, I don't I don't know what what will their answer be when, when we have the football come back and players are kneeling. Is it going to try? Are, are people going to try to run the same playbook as they did? Excuse me, in 2016 making it about the flag, making it about the military disrespect when it's never been about that. Is that how well, the NFL will react? Or are they going to actually listen and let players peacefully protest? 
here's hoping that deflection becomes as quaint as stick to sports by the time we get to September. Now, the NFL, before the video emerged, had posted a message on Instagram saying this. This is a time of self-reflection for all. The NFL is no exception. We stand with the black community because black lives matter. Through Inspire Change, the NFL players and our partners have supported programs and initiatives throughout the country to address systemic racism. We will continue using our platform to challenge the injustice around us. To date, we have donated $44 million to support hundreds of worthy organizations. This year, we are committing an additional $20 million to these causes, and we will accelerate efforts to highlight their critical work. We know that we can and need to do more. Again, that emerged before the video. And the New England Patriots, the only team that has retweeted that video with the message Black Lives Matter, but that's just part of what the players want. They also want a commitment that they will not be prevented from peacefully protesting. That is the rewind to 2017. That is the aftermath of Colin Kaepernick's unemployment and the reaction to the comments that were made by the president in Alabama on a Friday night in September. The NFL was turned on its head when it comes to protests during the national anthem and the debate that raged beyond that big cat. There hasn't been anything from the league on that. The clock is ticking on that. And my question to the league here today, based upon the video that was published last night by the players, will you say we support, not we will passively tolerate or the rules technically allow it or you can do it in the tunnel or no, we actively support your right to peacefully protest, even if it happens during the national anthem. Will they say that? That's what the clock is ticking on. And that's a great point by you, Mike, because there is definitely the workaround that the NFL has used in the past and can use here where they say, you know, we we support the right all of our players have to to, uh, you know, speak on the issues that affect them by not saying specifically you can kneel if you want to during the pro during the uh, national anthem. So and, and this is a situation that and I've been wrestling with this all week, and I think a lot of people have been wrestling with this. It is one thing to show solidarity online, and I think that is important, and we're going to get to some Arian Foster stuff because we had him on part of my Take My Podcast on Monday, and he said showing solidarity online is important, and it's not simply, oh, you're looking for clout or, oh, you're just checking a box. It is important to let people know in your life where you stand on this issue, this issue. but what's more important is the actions afterwards and how you deal with that afterwards and how you change as a person, how you take what's happened in the past week, 10 days, and actually make changes to try to make the, this country a better country. So the NFL releasing a statement is great, but what, what happens afterwards? And how do, they, how, how do they talk to their players? How do they let their players you know, peacefully protest before a game? How, do they try to silence their players like they did in 2016? That's, that is the next big step. I think everyone is in this state in the last week and a half where – there's a feeling of I want to do more and I want to be more involved and, and, and I want to help, you know, in this issue that is so glaringly obvious and in our face. The the social media is fine. You've seen it time and time again. You've seen brands. You've seen, you know, personal people. I posted a black box on Tuesday and I talked about on my Instagram about how I kind of struggled with it because I usually used to think that doing something like this on social media was a little silly, but it wasn't. It was, it, you know, it was a moment where I had to tell people in my life, this is where I stand. Black lives matter. So 
it, it's been very difficult to to kind of figure out that balance of it's okay to post something. It means something to post something. But what comes after that? Because that's really the important part. And, and in a week, in two weeks, in two months, a year, what are you doing to make a change every single day in your life to make everything, you know, work better in this country to work better and helping the minority communities? And, you know, it's a great point because – how do we communicate in this day and age? How do we converse? We converse through the social media platforms and the things we believe need to be put there. That's part of who we are. Every statement that we make, every message that we post, every image that we find is part of who we are. And if we believe a certain thing, that is the natural place to make sure the world understands. It's the equivalent of putting a sign in your front yard in this day and age. But you're right. What happens after that? And that's part of what is going to develop and emerge in the coming weeks and months. And we will be following that very carefully. Also, the Chiefs and the Saints did retweet the video. The Patriots, the only ones who retweeted with the message, Black Lives Matter. But again, that's just part of what the players want the NFL to say. They want the league to say Black Lives Matter, but they also want the league, specifically the 32 teams, to say we support your right to peacefully protest. And it is that right to peaceful protest that has sparked this entire sub-conversation that first emerged on Wednesday when Drew Brees, the Saints quarterback, future Hall of Famer, a man who has done more for the city of New Orleans than any football player has ever done for any city in the history of the league, a man who gave $5 million to COVID-19 relief just a few months ago along with his wife to help people in New Orleans. But when the issue came up again of protesting during the anthem he reiterated his position from four years ago that he will never agree i will never agree with anyone disrespecting the flag we read the apology that he posted during the show yesterday it hit about 8 30 a.m eastern last night he posted another apology on instagram here's the second apology from drew Brees. i know there's not much that i can say that would make things any better right now but I just want you to see in my eyes how sorry I am for the comments that I made yesterday. I know that it hurt many people, especially friends, teammates, former teammates, loved ones, people that I care and, and respect deeply. That was never my intention. I wish I would have laid out what was on my heart in regards to the George Floyd murder, Ahmaud Arbery, the years and years of social injustice, police brutality, and the need for so much reform and change in regards to legislation and so many other things to bring equality to our black communities. I am sorry, and I will do better, and I will be part of the solution, and I am your ally. And I know no words will do that justice. What we said yesterday, Big Cat, at the time that Drew Brees hadn't yet apologized, and then once he did in the form of a written statement, the apology needs to match the original statements in format. The original statements were given in the context of an interview. A written statement felt incomplete to me for a couple of reasons. First of all, because it was written. Second of all, because it didn't address one key question. The video apology may very well have been an effort to try to better bridge that gap between what the initial statements looked like and sounded like and what the apology looks like and sounds like. And it came at the end of a day when Breeze had a team meeting, 
Shaquille O'Neal was part of that. He was previously scheduled to participate. He continued to participate. He shared some information that he gleaned from it. But I still believe two things. I think that there needs to be a Drew Brees interview where he faces specific questions about why he said what he said and what he truly believes. And ultimately, he needs to address the one unanswered question. And I say this in all deference to Drew. I have a ton of respect for Drew Brees. But we have to look at these issues within the four corners of what has been put in front of us. And when you say on Wednesday, I will never respect or I will never agree, excuse me, with disrespecting the flag. And then you apologize the next day, presumably for that statement. You have to address, I think, whether or not you still believe the thing you said that lit the fuse. And he hasn't addressed that yet. That's the one thing that I'm curious about. And if I'm curious about it as an outsider to the New Orleans Saints organization, I suspect that there are men within the team who, now maybe they were privy to it yesterday. Maybe, I don't know why he would say it during the team meeting and not say it publicly. If he said during the team meeting, it's okay if you protest, he needs to say it publicly because that's the way to fix this. That's the way to get people to understand what he's apologizing for. Because without saying, I've changed my position, to me, the apology seems a bit hollow. Yeah, it, it, Drew Brees stated his opinion. That's how he felt when he said when he gave that interview. That is how he feels. And I, I think there's a little bit of confusion online as well where people are saying, well, Drew Brees doesn't have a right to opinion. Drew Brees can't say what he wants to say. Of course he can say what he wants to say. But he also has to face the fact that it was incredibly tone deaf and it was basically, I haven't learned anything in the last four years because he ran the 2016 playbook that a lot of people were running where they made a peaceful protest about police brutality to black America about the flag and disrespecting troops. And that's not what it's about. And that's not what it was about in 2016. And it's especially not what it's about today. So for him to come out and, and basically try to run that same playbook he, he is now uh, showing that he hasn't listened at all. And he hasn't listened to his teammates. He hasn't listened to the other pe other people in the leagues. He hasn't listened to his community. That's where people are upset. And I think everyone has a right to be upset if, if, if they know Drew Brees or they're hurt by Drew Brees. So Drew Brees has a right to say whatever he wants here. But when, it, when his opinion is tone deaf, and it's clear that he hasn't learned anything, and he hasn't, learned, he hasn't really listened to what people are saying, of course he's going to get some backlash. And you said it, Mike. He is apologizing more for the backlash than his actual opinion, which that's where you have to shift people's brains and have them understand the issue on a deeper level than just simply flag, you know, flag equals stand, kneel equals disrespect. Because that's kind of what the, the argument is what people want to make it. And they make it about that, and then it takes away from everything. And it takes away, I mean, even the last three days, Talking about the Drew Brees thing has taken away from what's going on in America, which is unfortunate. But it's also a good lesson that this is where we've come from in, in, in the last four years. Think about it this way, Mike. Last four, four, in 2016, what Drew Brees said was pretty much the sentiment of the NFL and, and, the, and, the, and the play that everyone ran to kind of quiet the protest down. What Drew Brees says in 2020, it's, it's met with a lot of disappointment. 
and a lot of uh, backlash online, and I think that's a good thing. I know people will bring up cancel culture. Drew Brees still is this, the quarterback for the Saints. He hasn't been canceled in terms of his job, his you know the millions of dollars he's made. Drew Brees had a bad opinion, and he was called out on it, and that's good. That's a progress. That 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 means that people are starting to listen and understand this issue at a deeper level and know that when someone says, oh, well, I don't want to disrespect the flag, they're way off because it's not about the flag and it hasn't been about the flag. And this is an important point. I almost said it's an important nuance, but there's no nuance to this. This isn't a situation where Drew Brees, in the heat of the moment, used inappropriate language or made an off-color joke or said something into a hot mic that he wouldn't have said if he knew people were listening. He deliberately intentionally and in calculated fashion shared his opinion shared his belief the backlash was to his belief so what are you apologizing for if you still cling to that belief so part of the apology has to be true it has to be i no longer believe that it's disrespectful to the flag, to the nation, to the military, to engage in peaceful protest by kneeling during the national anthem. And again, if he said that within the privacy of the team meeting that occurred yesterday, if that was part of what induced his teammates to accept his apology, he needs to say it publicly. And if he's not willing to say it publicly, Big Cat, my concern is that Drew is trying to not piss off anyone he's trying to make everyone happy and with this issue you're not going to make everyone happy you've got to pick a side either you say that kneeling during the national anthem is a peaceful protest that is within the rights of every american whether or not you would do it yourself you acknowledge and support their right to do it or you say i will never agree with anyone disrespecting the flag you can't be in both camps you can't have a foot in each position, it's one or the other. So I don't know what he said to get his teammates to accept his apology, but if I'm his teammate and I'm offended by his opinion and he says anything other than I've changed my view, I'm not accepting his apology. And yeah, if I, he's saying it yeah. privately and not publicly, I'm wondering why isn't he coming out and saying, I have changed my view. And, and look, I'm not trying to be unfair to Drew here. I'm trying to be fair to the story. There is a gap that hasn't been addressed yet, that needs to be addressed before we can fully understand exactly what he's apologizing for and whether this apology is simply, uh-oh, I stepped right into it. I need to find a way to scrape it off my shoe. So I think, Mike, what happens with sports, and it's difficult for us to comprehend because we feel like we root for, you know, especially if you're a Saints fan, but if you're an NFL fan, you've been watching, rooting, uh, Drew Brees has been part of your life for almost two decades now. So you feel like you know this guy. You don't know him. You do not know Drew Brees. But his teammates know him. His teammates know him on an intimate level. His teammates know him in that locker room. There's something about a locker room being with your teammates. When the cam when the cameras are off, Booger McFarlane came on part of my take today and made this, this point that when the phones are off and the cameras are off and you're just there with your teammates, it's just a different conversation. It's a different vibe. So... I agree with you that you would. I would like to see Drew understand what he said is uh, off. He, he's off the mark. But I also completely understand that his teammates can have that uh, about face pretty quickly because they know Drew Brees. They know what type of guy he is. They've they've been in the trenches with him. They have a relationship with him where it's just different. 
So we get caught in this spot as fans. We think we know these guys and we think we know everything about them. So when they say something stupid or they say something great, we're like, oh, well, that's the guy for the right. You know, we cast that die and we say that's that's Drew Brees forever. The, the guys in that locker room know Drew Brees. So I, I'm not surprised that they're able to mend that fence uh, fairly quickly because there's an established relationship there through years and years of, of struggling together. So I, I, I'm not surprised by that part. And I have no problem. I mean, if that's how his teammates feel, that's how they feel. And I believe it. I, I do think it's sincere. I don't think Michael Thomas is being held, you know, to be like, hey, no one called Michael Thomas and said, hey, let's make this right. I think Drew Brees called Michael Thomas and, the, and they had a conversation as friends, as teammates with an established relationship that we just don't have with any of these players. Everything you said is spot on but I put myself in the position of a teammate of Drew Brees because we all have relationships with the people that we work with. And if something like this happens, look, whatever it took to get, and we flashed the various tweets from the teammates who have accepted publicly the Drew Brees apology, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Cam Jordan retweeting Demario Davis. Demario Davis was actually on CNN live when the apology first landed. He hadn't even read it when he reacted to it the first time and accepted it. Teron Armstead has accepted it. That's fine, but if I'm one of his teammates, again, if I was upset by what he said, if I disagree vehemently with his view, at some point during that interaction, Big Cat, I'm going to say to Drew Brees, so can we kneel or can we not kneel? Are you going to look at us out of the corner of your eye? Are you going to think of us differently if we take a knee during the national anthem? Or are you with us? We, you, you, I need to understand that. And if you are with us, I, 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 got a, I got a request for you, Drew. I need you to go tell everybody you're with us. I need, you, I need you to say to the world as a white, prominent quarterback, hey, everybody, when these guys decide to take a knee this year, it's not disrespectful to the flag. It's not. It is engaging in peaceful protest aimed at reiterating the message that Colin Kaepernick was trying to bring us all to understand four years ago before he was shoved out of the league in part because of the fact that he let all the players realize that you have this right, you have this power, and feel free to use it. I want to know where Drew stands, and I want him to tell the world where he stands, if I'm one of his teammates. And I think that's a fair request. That's a fair request. If you're going to put the toothpaste back in the tube, that's the only way to do it, Big Cat. you got to go out and say, I've changed my position. I fully support any peaceful protest in which my teammates choose to engage. I hear you. I just think that um, knowing that it's Drew, Drew Reese's opinion, I don't think his opinion. Maybe it's actually a good thing, Mike. That if it doesn't, if it doesn't just, change, he's. But Big Cat, if his opinion no, hasn't changed, no, 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 he's got no, no, nothing that, to apologize for. There's no that's apology. Point. Hold on, that's my point, though. Maybe it's a good thing that he hasn't come out and said it 24 hours later because I don't. I don't really believe if someone just says, "Oh, I changed my entire opinion about this issue in 24 hours." Maybe he needs to reflect on it more. So he apologized for the backlash. And like you said, doing an interview, explaining how he thinks that like listening to other people and understanding their struggle can't happen overnight. So in a weird way, Drew Brees not coming out and saying, oh, I think exactly the opposite today that I did yesterday. I... I don't know. That would if he did that, it would ring hollow. Would you not say that? Would you not no, say that? No, if he no, did it that, would not. No, it, ring it rings, it rings hollow. hollow. So. No, it rings. No, no, big cat. It rings hollow when you say I apologize, but you don't say 
and you don't change the thing that you that you apologize for. I mean, I'm trying to think of a good example here. Um, it, it's it's like you're walking down the street with some sort of, a, of an offensive message on your shirt. And you walk down the street all day long with a message that offends people on your shirt. They get offended. They get upset with you. And you apologize to them. And then the next day you show up and you're still wearing the shirt. That, that, that's my did- point. He's either, he's either taking the shirt off or he's not. Does, is, is he still wearing that shirt? I, I never will agree with someone disrespecting the flag. Are you still wearing that shirt? If I'm his teammate, that's what I want to know. That's what I want to know as, a, as, a, as an American. Do you, do you I, still wear that shirt? I think he's taking it off. If you want to use that analogy, he's slowly taking it off. And I understand that as human beings, it is hard. Like understanding, you know, a deeper issue and understanding how you're wrong here. Having a little introspection. I'm giving Drew the benefit of the doubt here, which he probably doesn't even deserve. Because it's like, hey, this was his opinion yesterday, and it's hard to change your opinion that quickly. But I'm just saying, I get his teammates coming out and saying, look, we talked personally, we talked man to man, and I I accept his apology because I know the type of guy he is. And then on top of it, I think Drew Brees will hopefully in the next week or so have a longer discussion about it and be like, here's where I was wrong. Here's how I now understand this issue. And I think that feels because because we do see it right now, Mike, in, in 2020, where it's do something wrong, apologize right away, rinse and repeat. So I'm right. hoping that that Drew, it, it's you know he got the apology, he did the double apology, which is never good, never a good sign. The double apology in one day, but in a week or so, he can express exactly how he feels now and exactly how he was wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I'll just give him that, 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 that if his teammates are saying, I accept your apology, that they probably asked him some hard questions and that Drew is going to, to actually explain how his opinion has shifted in the last week after thinking about it. I, I think we may be on the verge of being able to start our own PR consulting firm because through this conversation, th- this is the easy solution. In a situation like this, you've got three options. One, I apologize and I have changed my opinion. Two, I apologize that you disagree so vehemently with my opinion, but it remains my opinion. Three, I apologize for my opinion and the reaction to it will cause me to spend the next few days reflecting and praying on my opinion as to whether or not it is an opinion that I will continue to adhere to. But I think you got to say one of those three things. You can't come out and apologize and ignore the thing that sparked the uproar that caused you to apologize. There is a donut hole. The donut hole is bigger than the donut in this apology until we know whether his position is, I've changed my opinion, or I'm sorry you disagree with my opinion, or I'm revisiting my opinion and I'll get back to you on whether or not I change it. Four, never double double apologize in a 24-hour span. Because that's always, when you're like, hey, I, I screwed up the first apology. Here's another one. That that always uh, that always doesn't look so great. And especially, you know, Drew Brees should have done the video to start with. Because I think the written apology, like you said, he did an interview the first time. He expressed how he felt. So match that expression with doing an interview the second time. And, and, and answer questions about how your opinion has changed and really show that. What he needs to do 
is be part of a conversation like the one we're having so we can drill down and get to the bottom of where he stands. Is he thinking and reflecting on whether or not he will change? I will never agree. It's got to be hard to back off of that when you just said less than 48 hours ago. I will never agree with anyone disrespecting the flag. Malcolm Jenkins, who had some passionate videos, one was deleted, then another one was posted. He said nothing publicly. Privately, according to Shaq, he's accepted Drew Brees' apology. I have been checking the Malcolm Jenkins Instagram and Twitter feeds over and over again because, frankly, from my perspective, I want to know what he thinks. And I don't want to interpret anything one way or the other into his silence, but I would have expected to hear from him by now, and we'll be monitoring that uh, throughout the show over the weekend whenever Malcolm Jenkins has something to say. Right Later in the show, we're going to play for you the conversation Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy had on this topic yesterday. Up next, you're going to hear from a couple more coaches who spoke yesterday, Dolphins coach Brian Flores and 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. I mean, my, my number one thing for the, for, for guys uh, is they have a right to protest, and I support you know um, their right to protest. And, uh, but even more than that, it's it's about being careful. Um, I want my players to be be careful. Um, uh, I actually had a friend who, who was murdered in, in Indianapolis. His name is Chris Beatty, um, a good friend. Um, he actually played football with uh, Lance Bennett. Was on our staff. Uh, Abidi was full of life. He was, um, he was a great human being, and he was protesting in Indianapolis. He was murdered last weekend. So, um, you know, when I guess to me that was the first thing that kind of came to mind when, when, when uh, Kayvon was protesting. And, and, and look, I've had a lot of conversations with players um, over the last few days, and, and I support, you know, I support these guys. And I understand you know, the emotions, the. Um, that they're going through, but at the same time, you know, I want them to be smart. You know, I care about each one of these guys, and um, you know, I had uh, a situation hit hit, hit home uh, pretty closely for me, and um, so you know, there's some fear from my my, my end, to be honest with you. Um, but you know, I might as well you know take this time to send condolences to uh, Beatty's family um, and his friends in Indianapolis. I mean, this guy was just an incredible human being, and. Um, it's sad. It's, and it's, it's, it was just another tragedy um, that we're dealing with. Uh, uh, but hopefully, we, we can learn from it and, and again, make the necessary changes so that uh, these things don't happen again. Brian Flores, Dolphins head coach, his first spoken remarks in the aftermath of the George Floyd murder. He had a statement last Friday that was incredibly well written and out of character for NFL coaches who typically stay walled off in their own little worlds. You know, in the past, we've marveled at how NBA coaches are engaged and NFL coaches aren't. More and more NFL coaches, Big Cat, are becoming engaged now. Yeah, and, and it's a, another small win and, and looking at how this conversation is being had versus that's what I keep going back to is how is all this playing out versus what, we saw in 2016 and it's, it's very, very different. And the progress is, is great to see. And I think those small victories of having these conversations, having these uncomfortable conversations is important. So uh, it, it is great to see that NFL coaches, you're right. NFL coaches are usually the hardest people to uh, get a, a quote out of, get a message out of, get a statement out of. And uh, seeing that is a great sign. 
Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers coach yesterday, spoke to the media. One of the things he said, and I think this is true, and it's and it's good to hear it come from someone like Kyle Shanahan, white America had previously not paid the kind of attention to these issues as it is now. We're waking up to these issues. We're understanding the problem like never before, and he was very candid about that. He was also candid about the lack of minority coaches and general managers in the NFL. Here's Shanahan on that topic. How the heck are there four only four black coaches out of 32 head coaches? How are there only two GMs? I mean, we're in a predominantly, I mean, the majority of our players are black. So the fact that there's that few, I mean, that's not debatable. Like, I don't know if people are openly thinking they're doing it, which I think that people sort to that, but that, that's what the problem is. I mean, that number is not debatable. And, and that's, that is an issue. And I think we talk about it a lot. Um, and it is something that has to get better. I, I know they've thrown out a bunch of stuff. I know I only speak for myself. I, I, I try to, you know, I try to hire people that I work with that are prepared for it. And fortunately that's worked out well for me. I've got, we got a Muslim coach. We got a, a, I mean, a Muslim coordinator. We got a black coordinator. Um, we have a lesbian on our staff. Uh, we have what we have everything. And it's not just to show people that we're trying to be diverse. It's just because I've been around these people and, and they, are really good at what they do. And I can't, we can't win without these people. And, and that's just how it works out. I don't know why the numbers aren't like that, but the numbers are, are wrong. And that's stuff that, hell yeah, we want to fix, but it's, it's not an easy answer. It's continuing to talk, continuing to the whole thing with society, everything. It's all, it's all very similar on different levels. And that's why those numbers don't lie. That's what makes it a fact. And that's what, white people have to admit the nfl has been urgently trying to improve what it has described through executive vp of football operations troy vincent as a broken system of minority hiring of coaches and general managers that work was happening in earnest before george floyd's murder i can only assume that they will be working even harder to ensure that there are measures taken to improve those numbers but no this is hey this is the kind of change that 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 we are talking about at every level of society. It's not just an issue of the actions of law enforcement, Big Cat. It is taking a step back and rooting out all forms of systemic racism that have truly prevented our nation from doing justice to the mottos we hear all the time. Liberty and justice for all, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All men are created equal. It's 244 years late, but I think we're arriving at the moment where those words are finally going to be applied literally and seriously what's the fix mike because it, it does it does feel like the rooney rule is um the the idea of the rooney rule is great but it doesn't it doesn't feel like sometimes teams are actually practicing it earnestly and you saw i'm trying to think back to some of the recent hirings but where you you, you see a team almost like we, we've already decided the guy we want we we know who we want uh i'm trying to think like even the cowboys it felt like they went from Jason Garrett to might be coming back to Mike McCarthy in a matter of seconds. So how, how do you implement something that, that is, is great in theory, but doesn't seem like it always works in practice. Tony Dungy had a great recommendation when he and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I'll summarize it as quickly as I can. He believes all owners should be told, regardless of whether or not you're even considering a coaching change, to articulate the attributes they want in a coach and to basically have that on file. 
This is what I want in a coach. These are the six, seven things I'm looking for. Then when the time comes to consider making a change, the first thing you do is you compare the coach you have to the attributes you're looking for. And if you decide that coach no longer has those attributes, then you work with the league and there would be a panel and it would be, it would basically be a matchmaking service. Here are the guys who have the attributes that you're looking for. And it doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter what they look like. These are the men who can do what it is that you're looking for. That was his suggestion. And I think it just takes something like that to, to get past that notion that, hey, it's the billionaire's privilege. I'll do what I want. I'll hire who mm-hmm. I want. We have, to, we have to get them to press pause and take a broader view as to what their, their overall uh, expectations are, what their objectives are, and how best to find the right person regardless of who I'm the most comfortable with or who it is that I see on TV that that I want to be my coach, regardless of whether or not they really know anything about who the person is. All right, we got to take a break. Plenty more PFT Live still to come. We'll be back right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. We've always been a huge 12 personnel team uh, ever since Pittsburgh. Uh, that's our base offense. And uh, if those are the best matchups, then that's that's where we're headed. Each week is finding out the best matchups. You know, um, yeah, I, I love 13. I love three tight ends out there. We have a package. If you, if you don't know how to stop it, it can hurt you. Bruce Arians talking about his offensive plans in Tampa Bay. And, of course, 12 personnel, that means one running back, two tight ends. When you've got three great tight ends or one really great tight end, another one who has dramatically overachieved and another one who has underachieved but is still not bad on your roster, it's easy to go 12 personnel. And, Big Cat, when you consider what that 12 personnel looks like, Ronald Jones at running back, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin at receiver, Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard at tight end, the third one, Cameron Brait, who will be part of that mix. That's a pretty impressive group for Tom Brady. Slightly better than the skill position players he had around him in New England last year. Yeah, 
That's going to be watching uh, Tom Brady throw it to Mike Evans is, is what I'm really looking forward to because that type of big receiver he hasn't had in a while. Uh, but, yeah, that's a that's a pretty impressive group. And the Bucks defense uh, was was pretty good last year, too. They were they were a stingy defense at times. So if you're a Bucks fans, shout out Stephen Shea, you're probably feeling uh, pretty good going into this season. I saw Peter King ranked him fifth. Overall, in his power rankings, that's probably that's probably about right. I mean, they 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 haven't proven anything. They have a lot of you know. It's going to be. I, I'd say the biggest issue is that you have a, a guy Tom Brady going to a new offense, but I would assume Bruce Arians can figure that out pretty quickly. Let him do whatever he's comfortable with. But new receivers and working with them and getting that trust level up amidst a pandemic. So that would be uh you know the biggest issue going into the next season for the bucks is trying to get everyone on the same page but if you had to pick one guy who get everyone on the same page wouldn't you say it's tom brady he's already doing it he's already doing it they got they got helmets they got buccaneers helmets working out in a park in tampa so he's already having football practice even at a time when players can't go to the facility other teams that may have better groups of five you know i've i've identified a few let me run a couple by you the chiefs obviously when, the when Chiefs, now yeah. they don't have two tight ends, but they've got Travis Kelsey and they've got three receivers that could be well. Tyree Kill's great, Sammy Watkins great, Mecole Hardman could be joining that group, and then at running back you put in Clyde Edwards-Helaire or Damian Williams. Yeah. You got a pretty good group. I was gonna say you could go two wide receivers, two two running backs in a tight end with the Chiefs. They have just skill all over the place. So I mean, it's no surprise they won the Super Bowl. But I I think they were the team. They're the team that pops off in my head right away. Uh, what other teams you had? I actually, Mike, your Minnesota Vikings are still up there somewhat, right? I mean, they, 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 they probably are missing. They're going to miss Stefan Diggs, but they have the tight end in Kyle Rudolph. They have the running back in Dalvin cook. They still have Adam Thielen. Like they, they have some nice skill positions. And the other one that popped in my head was uh, the Cowboys that might be lacking at the tight end, but you add CD lamb, Amari Cooper, and uh, and that team is going to be Gallup. explosive. Michael, yeah, Michael Gallup, Gallup, underrated. Yep. And, yep. and Zeke. I, with the and Vikings, Zeke. too, Irv Smith. Irv Smith, the other tight end. If they do the 12 personnel in Minnesota, Irv Smith is a guy that is going to be far more likely to pick up a lot of the catches that would have gone to Stephon Diggs instead of Justin Jefferson, the first-round picket receiver. One more, the Saints. Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. Jared Cook, Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Throw in Deontay Harris for good measure. He's the guy that got behind the Vikings defense in the playoff game and caught the pass from Taysom Hill. You know I'd get a Taysom, Taysom Hill, Hill reference in there. Taysom Hill and should Taysom be in Hill's the part positions. of the two. Yeah, that's right. right. He's on, part Mike. of the five. Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, you could also do the, the ten personnel with uh, where the Bears have all ten of their tight ends out there at the same time. <laughs> that's my favorite. So they have to be in the conversation. <laughs> All right, take a, a, a quick break. When we return, you'll hear some of Tony Dungy yesterday with Mike Tirico with Tony's thoughts on the Drew Brees situation. More PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.